I love the children's stories week by week. I often feel that uh, there's nothing more needs to be said. So say what you mean, mean what you say. Shall we just pray and go home? Or I guess I'll carry on and talk anyway. I, I'm sure all of us have, as parents have uh, sort of dealt with the bad words situation with our children. Uh, one of our boys, Brendan, when he was a little guy, um, we would go in and find him in the bathtub um, saying bad words. Here, here were the bad words. He would just sit there and go, stupid, stupid, shut up, shut up, because those were the bad words. I'm always terrified when the children say, I, I've learned a bad word, and you say, and oftentimes it's, it's not a terrible bad word, it's, it's a bad word to them. Um, but anyway, we're all faced with the language that we use and what's appropriate to say and what's uh, appropriate not to say. So as we come to this little pithy statement that James gives us, it's one more practical, practical idea about how we live um, walking the things that we believe and say we believe, and not only talking them, but walking them. But when we talk them, we do need to use words. And James says, when you talk, here's something that you need to keep in mind. So in James chapter 5, verse 12, as, as Deb already shared with us, James says to the followers of Christ in their sort of scattered locations in, in the uh, Roman Empire back then. He says, Above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Let your yes, your, your yes is to be yes, and your no, no, so that you may not come under judgment. Um, I, I, I wonder where James got that. If, if, if you read it and thought, that sounds sort of familiar. I think I've read it before. Well, you have read it before. In fact, almost verbatim. And as I mentioned last week, um, about half of the things that James says are either direct quotes from Jesus or allusions to the things that Jesus has said. So in this case, we go back to the Sermon on the Mount and hear Jesus say this. Um, he says, but I say to you, yeah, even though you've heard something, he said, again you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, um, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king, nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is evil. Now, we know that um, Jesus' family did not believe in him. His, his brothers did not believe in him. In fact, he was on the outs with them, and we presume that James was not in the audience for the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he, he might have heard what was said. But more likely, this had become so much the, the talk of the Christian church that James could draw on that and, and say, you know, let me get back to this. 
you've heard this all along, that your yes should be yes and your no should be no, and, and the no oath bit and all of that. So James is alluding to what Jesus taught, even though he might not have actually heard Jesus say it. He may have heard rumors that Jesus was saying this sort of thing. But it just sounds as though this is in the talk of the Christian church, that they know that the use of their language needs to be carefully scrutinized and guided by the, uh, the teaching of Jesus. What is it that we're really to get from all of this? Now, we might say, and, and some people have said, that you, know, you, you just must never use the Lord's name in vain. And that's true. That's a good idea. Um, I'm shocked, actually, these days at how often people will say, my God. And, and I, I think they don't usually mean it in a profane way, um, because I've heard a lot of Christians say, oh, my God. And I, I would have had my mouth washed out with soap if I said that. And, and I think we shouldn't say that, because it's a careless use of God's name. In the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, when we're carefully guided as to how to, to live our lives, the, the commandment that talks about not using the name of the Lord God in vain is more this idea where we are somehow calling on God to be our backup or our witness. So it would be like saying, you know, I, I swear to God that, and God says, don't be doing that. And, and the prophets later on uh, take the people to task and say, you, you know, you love Sabbath and you love all the God stuff, but when you live your lives on Monday, you don't pay any attention to it. In fact, you know, using God's name and God's label, you're doing things that God says he has nothing to do with. So please don't use his name, God would say. As we look at all of this, the, the thing that, that really sort of works home to me is that the use of our language has an impact on other people, in, obviously, in many, many ways. But the matter of character um, comes in this whole matter of letting your yes be yes and your no be no. So by the end of this, I, I hope I will have said to you that when people think about you or talk about you, they would readily say that when you say something that you're going to do, you'll do it. Um, and I think that that's common, actually, here at Southside. There, there are lots of folks that I would uh, easily name, and I don't want to because I'll leave people out that I, I also mean the same thing about. But there are people who say they're going to do something, and you know because they've said it, they're going to do it. Brian O'Gorman, so I keep on using good old Brian. When Brian said he was going to do something, it would be done. I defy any of you to say Brian ever broke any promise he made. All the things, and they may have been little things, big things, silly things, important things. But when Brian said he was going to do something, I could pretty much count on the fact that it would be done. Do you know that that matters a lot about a person's character? So James says... Be very careful with the way you use yes and the way you use no. In, in, in the actual language of the passage, there's a double yes and a double no. 
Um, I studied uh, under Peter Davids at Regent College, and he wrote, wrote a commentary on James. And he points out the sort of the Jewish thinking that is behind this yes, yes, no, no. And he says an appropriate way to translate it would be to say, let your outer yes be an inner yes. Let your outer no be an inner no. And be careful about all of that. James warns us that um, there is kind of a condemnation that's coming our way if when we say yes, but it isn't a yes, or when we say no, but it isn't a no, um, that then we will, the language is more that we will trip up, we'll, we'll fall down. Jesus is quite severe in the Sermon on the Mount and is more um, caustic in what he says will be the result of using God's name inappropriately. So it is not so much the matter of cursing, it is the matter of um, the positive use of the human tongue in relationship with other human beings and where we can be counted on to say yes when it means yes and no when it means no. I wondered if we would just look at our lives and try to take kind of a little test. Um, some people find it hard to say yes. Some people find it easy to say yes. Am I right? Some people find it hard to say no. And some people find it easy to say no. Can, can you rack up some people in your mind? Who, who is it that will not say no to you? Who is it that probably will say no to you? And maybe in the first category you would say, yeah, they, they probably shouldn't have said no. And in the second category, they probably should have said no, right? On the whole yes side, there are people who are pleasers, and when they are asked to do something, they want to say yes. And James is saying, with, with those human dynamics going on, understand that when you actually say yes to something, it really should be an inner yes. And when you say no to something, it really should be an inner no. So I wondered, little test-wise, if, if we would maybe go home and say, in the last little while, what are three things I've said yes about? And then just ask yourself, have I done them? And then maybe even harder than that is to say, what are three things I've said no about? And then have I not done the things that I said no to? Um, I want to say yes. I say yes to things I should not say yes to. Um, I have lots of examples that rush into my mind about the things that I say yes to, the things that I recently have even said yes to, and then afterwards thought, why did, why did I say yes to that? Because I am bound to do the things I said yes to. Um, I have used the French language irresponsibly, my friends, planches. I once had a, a trip to Gabon, and there was a church dispute that was going on, and I was there on behalf of a mission board, and I was to meet with the leaders of the church and to try to mediate a conflict. And they asked me, could I do it in French? And I said, sure. That was a yes that should not have been said. I should not have said I could mediate a church, <clears throat> a church conflict with, with French. 
But I had said I, I would. And so, you know, I sort of just stumbled into this conversation. I had, uh, fortunately, a friend who could help me a little bit along the way. And we muddled through. But I, I shouldn't have said yes. It w I wanted to please people, so I said yes. And the inner part of me was saying no. But since the outer part had said yes, I'm bound to let it be true with what I carry through with in terms of behavior. I perform weddings, and in our um, cast of officiants, nobody speaks French. And one time, I was asked if I could do a service in French, and I said yes. I, I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm, 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 I'm just a people pleaser down deep inside. I'm like a puppy dog down inside, right? I want to say, so I say yes. As, as long as you script it for me, I'm, I'm, sure, I, I'm sure I can manage it. I, I've done that a few times now because now once you've done it once, they say, well, Ian will say yes if we ask him to do a, a francophone wedding ceremony. The, the most terrifying thing that people say to me afterwards is this. You spoke French very well. I know that that's a lie, right? I know they're saying, you poor soul. Why in the world did you try to speak French? But my yes needs to be a yes. Um, do, do we realize that when we make promises to people that sometimes they count on them fairly heavily? So... Someone will often, I think this is fairly common, someone will often say, we should have lunch together sometime. And when someone says that to you, you think, that's a promise, right? That's a yes from that person. But what that person is doing is just passing you off. It's just, it's a way to end a conversation. So if I say to someone, we should really get together for lunch, um, then I need to say, why don't we figure out a time to do that? Because the yes of making a promise or the yes of making a suggestion to someone can be taken by that person and turned into grave disappointment when we don't follow through. When I was a very small boy, I mean 11 or 12 years old, there was a very famous pa pastor, preacher, teacher that came to our church. And my grandparents were always the ones that hosted the guest speakers. And they hosted this man, and they did, they did it several times. I remember being with him in their house. I can actually see him sitting in the chair in my grandparents' sitting room. I, you know, it's very vivid. And at one point, this man, um, for whatever reason, said to me, Ian, if you become a preacher, I'll give you my Bible. And I thought, so I, I was 11 or 12 years old, and I, that was how many decades ago. I still remember him saying it. I still see him where he was when he said it. I had no intention of becoming a preacher. I was going to be a doctor. I was going to make lots of money for my mommy and daddy. That's what I promised them. But as time went on, and then I entered the ministry, um, my dad said, remember, so-and-so promised you his Bible. Why don't we ask him for it? And my dad wrote him a letter, and the guy didn't reply. And I think, why does that disappoint me now? It's because that promise, 
that thing that the person said yes to had more weight settling on me than it apparently had as he uttered his yes. So James says, when you say yes, be careful that your yes on the outside is really a yes on the inside. That what you said you're going to do, you will do. I um, Last year, I think it was maybe, no, it was probably the year before by now. Remember we talked about Bob Goff and, you know, everybody always and all of that kind of stuff. And in one of those books, Bob Goff says that if you want to call him, go ahead, here's his cell number. And that he'll talk to you if you call him. People have checked that out. And I have yet to find a person who has called Bob Goff and had Bob not answer the call immediately and personally. I've talked to people who were in a conversation with Bob Goff when he got one of those phone calls and he interrupted the people and said, if you would just wait for a moment, I've promised that I would answer any call that comes to me. I don't remember a whole lot of things about Bob Goff, but I remember that, right? Because that to me speaks of a kind of integrity that says, because he said he would do it, his yes was a yes. He fully intended to do it. It might have just come off in another situation with someone writing a clever thing, like, you know, if you want to call me, go ahead and I'll, I'll answer, but go ahead and try to call them and you'll, you'll get a voicemail or something like that. But a promise is a promise. A yes is to be a yes. And we could do well to sort of think back and say, okay, what have I said yes to? And how, how serious and sincere was I in the yes? And what impact is there on the person who heard the yes with the way that I followed through on, on what I said? What three things have I recently said yes about? What three things have I recently said no about? And again, in, in you know, our company, we probably have several people who would say, I, I really find it hard to say no. Somebody comes and says, would you please, please, please? And we want to say yes to that, please, right? Uh, no matter how many things we have on our plates, no matter how many tasks we have to do, um, we find it very difficult to say no, to turn someone down. We, we, we feel as though we're disappointing them. We feel as though we're letting them down. So we may be inclined to say yes, that wasn't really an inner yes, and it leads us into this kind of, of you know conflict inside our own hearts and souls. And... We need sometimes to have the courage to say no. And saying that no oftentimes needs to be very carefully um, couched in grace, where we say no but or no and here's why. And no, that's, I, I'm not good at that. That's a really good one, is to say, you know what, I, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at speaking French. I have to, when I'm doing one of these, these weddings, I have to call Alicia, my daughter, who's a French teacher, and say, is this the way to pronounce that word? And after she laughs, she says, no, try this. Um, but I'm, I'm in this state of angst because I've said something and I need to carry through my yes so that, in fact, it's, it's an inner yes. When I should really say, no, I'm not very good at this. It becomes harder the more the requests come along and the more the coordinator says, well, Ian, you did it before and they said you were passable. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, so will you do it again? I'll say yes. I, I'm just too slow to say, you know what? I'm not good at that. So, so no is, is a word we should learn to say. Some of you know we have a puppy, and we're learning to say no. No! <laughs> Sternly no. So I need to say no with the same kind of uh, intention that I, I do with Melly. Um, no means no as well, right? Um, just a, a grandfatherly little word to parents. When you say no, make sure you mean no. For, first of all, make sure the no is a, is a valid no. Don't just say no indiscriminately. But if you say no, you really need to hold to your no. Don't let your children tyrannize you. Um, by begging and if you are co-parenting with a wife or a husband um, be careful about the run around your back and ask daddy a caveat grandparents are negotiable always so if if your grandchildren get a no from their mommy or daddy hopefully it's a stern no it's a fixed no they can always go to the grandparents because we don't know how to say no to grandkids. It's just, that's an exception, right? H how do we decide what it is we should be saying our no to? I think that, um, and it comes down to the matter of, of ethics and morality, there are two things that I think are, are guiding um, rules for us. The first is, is the guidance of principle. So what are the principles by which we live? And those principles would inform our yeses and our noes. So we hopefully, by this point in our Christian lives, should have established certain things that are, are done. We don't have to think about them anymore. They're things that we will say yes to on principle, and there are things that we should say no to on principle. There are many things in the no category where we ought to have settled the situation and we ought immediately to be able to say, well, no, I, I don't do that, or I can't do that, or I won't do that, and here's why. It, it's a no. I, you know, I've, I've thought about this, I have talked about this, I've received counsel about this, and on principle, because of my desire to have Christian character, um, because of my desire to show the way that following Christ um, shows up in a, in a person's life, I, I'm going to say no. There's a no to that for me. Um, the yeses would be, you know, qu quite well settled. The noes may have needed a real struggle where we have had to think through, okay, when I'm asked this, when I say no, where did that no come from? And what impact is that no going to have? Because uh, to be a person of Christian character, when I say no, it better be true to the inner me. It better not be a flimsy no. It better not be a careless no. Um, it ought not to be, don't bother me. You don't deserve this thing from me. Um, so you get a no. That's not going to be acceptable at all. So it 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 brings us to the point of saying, yeah, you know what? Meaning what you say. 
really, really matters. And saying what you mean really, really matters. To be able to, to um, in a situation, immediately have the inner strength and, and readiness to, to make your answer and know that it's a consistent answer from the outside to the inside. Sometimes we need to go back to someone and say, I said a yes, that should have been a no. Or I said a no, that should have been a yes. Or I said a yes, and I intended it to be a yes, but I think I haven't, and so I want to apologize and ask your forgiveness. Or I said a no, and similarly, I need to ask your for forgiveness because I've not let the um, ensuing behavior reflect the, the answer that I gave. So it gets pretty complicated, doesn't it? Now, it'd be easier if we could just say, here, here are the words you're not allowed to say. But the words that you are allowed to say are yes and no. But every time you say a yes or you say a no, then you know, it is, it is um, on the surface of the, the water like an iceberg has just what shows on the surface, but everything else is below the sea level. A principle is the way we know what our no's are to be. The Apostle Paul said something very interesting. He said he doesn't build on another man's foundation. And that's a statement of principle for Paul. He's saying, um, I'm being asked to do something or you want me to do something and there's a no. But there's a reason for the no. The principle by which I'm living is that I don't build on someone else's foundation. Now, it would have been appropriate for Paul to build on others' foundations if he wanted to or if he felt that that was his calling. But he knew what his calling was, and he lived by principle on that calling and said, I I'm not here to build on someone else's foundation. Um, you know, I, I, I work this way. This, the second thing that I think guides us is not only principle, but its purpose. Um, Way back there was the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Um, wonderful book, and I think it was before I was here, but I think you went through it as a church, and we did it in churches I was at. And Rick Warren just does a masterful job still. That book is very useful in saying not only are there principles by which we live, but we, we determine what our purposes are, and I will be able to say a yes or a no if I can figure out what the purpose of my yes or no would serve. So again, thinking back, what have I said yes to? And what are the principles on which that yes was spoken? And what was the purpose of what I've been asked for or to do um, that supports it? Or similarly, if, if there's a no, um, what was the principle? But again, what's my purpose in saying no? My purpose in saying no may be to say that if I say yes to this, I'm taking time away from others that need that time. Um, many times, several of us would say, we, we, we gave time away to church or to whatever it was or to a job and took it away from our family. And there should have been some no's in my life where I was I should have been ready to say, no, I can't do that. Um, because I've reserved that time for my family, or I need to have that time for my family. Um, I, again, in 
in pastoral ministry, we end up being people pleasers, probably that brought us into this state to begin with. And, and so we'll say yes to things that we should have said no to. And some other people become sort of the um, unintended casualties of, of some yeses that should have been noes. Um, there are also some people who say no too easily and too quickly. And we need to press one another and say, you, you seem quite ready to say no to me. You seem quite ready to say no to this or no to that. And I wonder, you know, what are the principles and, and what purpose do you think is served by a no from you right there? Could, I, could we rethink your no? Could we renegotiate your no? So again, if it's little children with their parents, no negotiation. Um, hopefully the parents have been resolute together and they've made sensible no's so that it wasn't just an arbitrary no and the next time it'll not be a no, which will confuse the children, um, as it will confuse my dog when I seem to say yes one situation and then no to the same situation again. So amazing the things you can learn from dogs. Um, Annabeth has learned that her no was negotiated into a okay by me. And so we're still debriefing what we're learning from having said yes to something. Right. What three things have I said yes to? What three things have I said no to? The things that I said yes to was my outer yes and inner yes. Have I done what it was I was going to do? The three things I've said no to, in retrospect, was it wise to have said no to those situations or is there room for me to return to the person and say, I I've thought about that again and in fact, you know, maybe changed my mind. Uh, when I was 15, um, I got a job and I, I still uh, am very confused over this job. It was a there was a guy in my dad's church, and he was building a, a cottage in Muskoka, and he wanted me to come and work at his cottage to help him build the thing, and that was all well and good. I mean, it was hard work carrying lumber and you know, all that kind of stuff. And the one day he said to me, "I, I have a job for you to do, and, and I I want you to do it. I think you'll be okay at this." And he said. You know, down there, we have some flooding on, on the lot, like, and I, I want to build over in that direction. And the flooding is because there's a beaver dam upstream. So and this is true. I've, I've gone back to make sure there's no embellishment here. He said, that tree, that lower limb on the tree, I'm going to have you sit on that limb with this gun. And he gave me, and I don't know why I remember this is what it was, but it was a double-barreled 12-gauge shotgun, scatter shot. Am I, there is such a gun, right? I'm not, it's not a figment of my imagination. He said, the beavers that are damming that river are flooding my property. I want you to shoot the beavers. Now, I had no idea that the beaver is what the beaver is. I had just come from Ireland, never saw a beaver before. So 
I sat on that limb and watched for the beaver and shot. Well, lucky for the beaver, the recoil on that gun threw me backwards off the tree. And the beaver, I can still imagine the beaver grinning and paddling away, saying, some fool tried to shoot me tonight. I don't know particularly why that story came to mind. I've not told it before, so I, I know that. Um, and I, I presume that guy ended up in jail or something. I don't know why he put a 15-year-old in a tree with a, with a gun and why he even wanted to shoot the poor beaver. Um, by principle, I should have said no. Right? It's, it's wrong to shoot a beaver. That, the, the principle should have an, answered the question for me. Um, I should not have said a yes when he said, I want you to sit on that tree and shoot the beaver. It, it should have been clear as anything. And in our lives, there are many situations where it should be as clear as anything that the principles by which we live are no principles. We, we say no to this situation. The, the second aspect of all of this um, is the, the purpose. And what I did understand from the idea of shooting this beaver is that scattershot was probably the best way that I could have got that beaver because I probably was not going to be able to aim a rifle for a single shot. But presumably, um, with a scattershot, if I pointed it somewhere in the beaver's direction, I might have hit something. I'm happy I didn't, to tell you. so be sure I, I did not do this, right? Um, the, the purpose of that scatter shot um, is, is well understood if, if you go hunting with that gun, right? It's, you know that what you're trying to do is shoot birds or whatever it is that you can kill with, and so now I'm really in dangerous territory. I have a hunter staring me down here saying, what in the world do you think? Don't come hunting with me. Right. Um, if, if I know what something is for and direct my behavior towards that purpose, I'll be in better shape. And, you know, James just gives us, it's, it's almost at every turn he gives us an, an, another pithy statement that we, we sort of go, oh my goodness, yeah. I get that. that. That's a wise way to live. And so with, with this statement, he says, you know, don't be doing this foolish thing about calling witnesses, whether you know, it's God or Jerusalem or the earth or even your own head. Um, fortunately, he doesn't say, you know, you know, by the number of hairs that I have. We'd all get in trouble then, right, Orville? Um, but James says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Anything else is trouble. Anything else is going to cause you to have a tumble. Let's walk our talk, but let's, as we talk our talk, think about what we're saying. Um, say what we mean, mean what we say. And at the end of the day, I think James would say there, was that so hard? And we probably say, yeah, it actually was. Because it's easy to let words come and go um, loosely. And James says, don't, don't be like that. 
the one song we sing, let your words be few. We're talking about when we're talking to God, letting those words be few, but for all of us to one another, let our words be few. And the words that we speak um, need to be controlled by lots of the ways that James gives us his good practical wisdom. So thanks, Deb, for setting that up. There's my story of the day. And uh, I encourage you to think about the three things you said yes to, three things you said no to, and maybe revisit them or rethink them or uh, entrench them as you press forward this week. God bless.